Hi, I'm Valerie Steele, Director and Chief Curator of the Museum at FIT, the most fashionable museum in New York City. Welcome to our Fashion Culture podcast series, featuring lectures and conversations about fashion. If you like what you hear, please share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag #FashionCulture. I am very pleased to announce our next panel. We've got Kim Jenkins, who is a lecturer at Parsons and at Pratt. She focuses on issues of race and social justice as related to fashion. She's gonna be up here interviewing two of my favorite designers from the exhibition, Becca McCarran-Tran of Chromat and Christian Siriano. So please join me in welcoming them to the stage. Um, so we'll just get right to it and I wanna um, carve out a little time for Q&A also at the end. Um, so this exhibition shows us the history of bodies um, prescribed to wearing dress that controls the frame through material structures um, and sociocultural imperatives that suggest figure flattery or covering up parts of the body that seem vulgar or grotesque. You can see all this in the exhibition. Um, these two designers who I'm seated here with today break through these constrictions and prove that it's more profitable, monetarily and culturally, to make clothing that celebrates every body. So um, I want to start with you, Becca, um, since we've got your slides up. Um, can you tell us about the mission for Chromat? So Chromat is future forward bodywear. I started it in 2010, coming from architecture. And it started as sort of an experimental project and evolved into really our goal and our mission is to create empowering swimwear and garments for all bodies and that's a huge like big um, unattainable goal because as we know all bodies are unique but that is our goal. Should I go through the slides or should I? Let's go through some all right, slides. Alright cool. So welcome to Chromat World. <laughs> um, okay so yeah um, one exciting thing about Chromat is our runway shows. Um, Runway shows every season at New York Fashion Week are really a celebration of who the Chromat babe is. And what you see on the runway is who we're inspired by in real life. And I think it's been a really, every season is really magical. And um, one thing that I love hearing after the runway shows is people who have come, whether it's someone's mom, like um, who's come, or even Whoopi Goldberg, someone, um, sitting in the audience and then coming up to us afterwards and saying, I've never seen someone that looks like me on the runway and it's changed how I think about myself. And that is our ultimate goal is to celebrate all different types of beauty from all places on the gender spectrum, all different ages, ethnicities, races, you know, shapes, sizes, ability levels. This is beautiful and this is how we see beauty in our world. And so we want that beauty and that um, inspiration reflected on our runway shows. I wanted to say also, um, the casting process, you were showing it on your Instagram, um, just talking a bit about your casting process. Yeah, so we work with casting director Gillian Smith, who has been there from the beginning. She's an incredible woman of color who pulls not only from people she meets, but anyone who emails us, anyone who slides into our DMs or our inbox, I just forward to Gillian, and she invites everyone to the casting, whether they're at an agency or not. And Everyone is seen and everyone has the chance to come and do a fierce walk for us. And um, we are always just looking for a strong stomp and confidence. 
And no matter what, how you look, that is the overriding factor to who we decide to book for our shows. So this is um, Denise Bedeau, who gets a special slide because she's so special to us. She's an amazing mom, chromat babe, Latina woman, who um, walked, was our first ever plus size model on a runway show back at, for SS15. And it's the top right pick is the, um, ex actually I think it's in all your, um, your schedules today, so that's really cool. And we've been working with Denise ever since that moment, and she's really carved a path um, for curve models on our runway. And when we're designing for Denise, we have her certain, we have her, her sizes, and for each, each model on our runway show, we work specifically with their bodies to design custom looks for them. So during the design process, we're thinking, oh, this would look good on Lauren, or this would look good on Jamal, and thinking about that as we go through the process. So um, one thing I wanted to, where should I be pointing? Oh. One thing that is exciting um, is just the energy backstage. I think sometimes runway shows can be tokenizing, and I think there's a mental weight that comes with being the only one. And I think that people feel seen and empowered because they're amongst many, and they are seen for who they are. And this is our real-life community. This is our real-life friends that you see on the runway. And it's a beautiful feeling backstage when everyone is celebrating together. And that's what we want to show in real life. So um, here's another model that we really love, Ebony. Um, Davis, and she says, when we share our stories and walk in our truth, we subconsciously give others permission to do the same, because living our truth is the most powerful form of resistance against oppression. That's, that's really what we're fighting against, is oppression, um, whether it's through these normalized beauty standards that have been oppressing how other people see themselves, and I think through our representative um, models, we're fighting against that. And I want to talk a bit about sizing. Um, Chromat goes up to a US size 22. So actually, I have really exciting news. We just, so we've been very wholesale based in the past, which means the people who place orders with us, like Barney's, Revolve, that's what we go into production with. And because we're small and no one has ever bought above a size large for us. Maybe you can speak more about production and all sizes, but um, Barney's has never bought above a size large, and so we were producing extra sizes on our own. But now we just got a big new order from Nordstrom that goes up to 3X, so we finally have retail support. And so that's a, a really game-changing thing for us, is we finally have a, a major player that's supporting us in these larger sizes. One last question I had for you before we move on to Christian. Um, what areas, because you, I mean, you've just been blazing a trail for yourself these past few years, um, what areas um, of the traditional design and production process did you find yourself having to innovate? What was sort of kind of the way of doing design and producing clothing that you just thought, this isn't working, we need to do something else, so there's got to be a different way? I actually didn't come from a process. I didn't go to fashion school. I didn't know what the right way to do things was. So I've been making it up as I go along. I would say, you know, the thing that you have to put intent and in, into is, is making the different sizes when you're sampling and designing for each different body type. But, um, yeah. And Christian. I don't think I have slides, but, you know, let me know. Are there? It's exciting. 
believe we had some slides. No, it's fine. I okay. don't need to go slides. Um, Just ask me anything. Okay. What do you want to know? Bef before we even start, I want to first <coughs> congratulate you on your 10-year you. anniversary. Thank you very much. Designer. Thank you. Um, you have carried on a legacy of glamour in U.S. American fashion design, and you have adapted it for a wide range of figures. Um, in your opinion, as a designer, what is key to dressing a woman in a way that makes her feel beautiful and in control? And I'm kind of thinking of um, Mr. Gunn's um, proportion, silhouette, and fit. What would you say is key when you're designing, thinking of the body? Yeah, I mean, I think um, because we were here, you know, hearing so many, uh, you know, different takes on this. I mean, I think the the bottom line for us and and my team and everybody, any time that we're working on anything, whatever the project is, it's really just about celebrating this idea of beauty and whatever, you know, every person has their different opinions of that. Everyone loves certain things for certain reasons. I mean, we always have to remember that not every brand can be everything to everyone because if there was, there would be no, you know, diversity out there. We still want, um, you know, to fall in love with that one great thing. So I think that that's what we kind of think about. You know, we have cut some customers that come in and love a great jacket. We have other customers that wouldn't touch a gown. You know, it's such a range and that's what we try to celebrate. You know, we try to make sure that each person um, comes in and feels great about, you know, what they're going to get uh, in the end, whatever that may be, um, whatever size they may be, whatever age they may be. Those things we don't care about. I don't even ask those things. Those are uninteresting to me. Um, I think especially anyone who's running a business, you should never care about things. Who's alienating a customer in this economy? We're not doing it. Um, <laughs> I just think that that, you know, is such a silly thing to think about. Um, and that's kind of how I've run the company from day one. You know, we always felt like, okay, how are we going to grow? How are we going to build? Um, because at the end of the day, a fashion designer's job is to sell clothes. So if you're not selling clothes, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I always just thought that that was an interesting topic. So when people do ask all the time, oh, why do you do this? Why do you have these things for all these different types of people? And I'm like, well, that's what the world is. That's who's shopping. Um, you know, we're selling in retailers all over the world. So it's not just a one place. Uh, so that's very important to think about. That's my long-winded answer, if that answered anything. I love it. Um, so speaking of alienation, um, so the image we have here of Leslie Jones, how did that come about? How did you end up dressing Leslie Jones? I mean, I think there's lots of stories of all these, you know, um, you know great, uh, you know, women who are maybe an actress or a musician or, but are on a maybe in a different path in their career. So obviously with Leslie Jones, she is an SNL actress, which is a character actress, um, maybe different from a, a, a movie actress who is playing different types of roles. So it's almost like, uh, I think sometimes what happened with Leslie was, uh, I think when searching for a piece, I mean, it takes a lot of humility to say, nobody wants to dress me. That's kind of how it started. And I think for her, she really just was concerned that it was hard to find a dress, which is strange um, for, you know, for an actress for a large premiere, for a great red carpet moment that I would think many brands would want to be a part of because um, that's what we, that's the only reason why we dress people on the red carpet. I mean, they're getting free clothes, so what are we getting out of it? We're getting exposure. That's the whole point of it. It's a weird business. That's a whole nother day and topic. Um, <laughs> you know, free dresses. Um, no, we'll talk about it later. But... <laughs> 
but the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, so I'm trying to keep it light for you. No, but, <laughs> but the interesting thing about Leslie, you know, Leslie's really was very open and very vocal. Well, not every actress or musician or whatever, you know, um, you know, uh, person is. And that was what was interesting to me is that she was being very vocal. So I felt like being vocal back um, and offering a helping hand. Uh, but it was a very organic thing. It, it turned into a quite cultural situation. But I just was excited to make something for her um, because I was a fan of her. And that's usually how we dress everybody. Um, like, it, it, that's one of those things. Like, I just like to dress people that if I saw their movie and I think, I think it's a great movie or I, I love your song, um, I don't, I'm not really interested in the other things. I just, that's who we like to dress. Yeah. And so... Um... Another question I had for you is, in your observation, what has changed about the fashion market now with 10 years under your belt? Oh my God, everything. Everything's different. I mean, we're hearing a lot today, but the whole business, the whole industry, um, you know, it's a whole new world. Um, and that is on so many levels. We talk about retailers. Retailers are changing just two, from two years to now. The, um, you know, I actually do think there's a, that we've made super, you know, amazing strides. Um, in you know selling clothing you know above a size 10 12 um, we have so many retailers on that are on board but it's a silent quiet thing that's going to take time um, but i will say from even 2 years ago it's changing so much which i'm really happy with i'm sure you've noticed too um, but i definitely think that everything's different the whole world of social media has changed our entire our entire everything not just just the fact that clothes are more visually available. And I think people, um, we're all kind of visual creatures. So we instantly look at an image and we instantly judge it for whatever reason. You judge it because you love it, you judge it because you hate it, maybe you don't like the color, whatever it is, it's instantaneous. Um, so the retailers are trying to figure out what to even do with that themselves. They're like, oh, we, you know, we put all this effort into we love these beaded shoes. We post about these beaded shoes and they get no response. So to them, they feel like, oh, it's a bust. It's over. It's not going to work. Um, and that's kind of changing the whole business because that isn't always the case. Um, so we can't... So it's, it's, it's a hard balance. Um, and I think it's the same with, um, you know, saying that we want to, you know, dress all these different sizes. So I, I think that the main thing is to make sure that we're, people are visual, we're vocal, um, you know, and every brand has to do what they love. Um, and I, you know, sadly, it, the other brands that aren't on board with all these new great things that are happening, um, it's just a detriment to themselves. And, um, but who has time to deal with them? <laughs> you know, you got to focus on what works for you and your brand and your world. Um, obviously, I could never sell well, Becca sells, because she's really great at that. That's her world. Um, you know, I don't know if my customer would love a, a, a corseted bodice swimsuit. And that's okay, though. Even if it doesn't matter what size it is, maybe just my lady isn't interested in that this season. And that changes, you know, every... I mean, I'm sure you've seen one season to the next. It really does. It's quite... That's our challenge every day that we have to, have to work to. In what ways are you having to adapt and Becca, you can even jump in on this. Yeah, I mean, just adapt direct to consumer is so much bigger and it's so much more of a focus. We want to connect directly with our audience and get feedback directly instead of going through the traditional the, wholesale the third channel. Party. Yeah. yeah, it is nice to you know to if you 
uh, and not just social media, but if you have your own online um, you know, presence uh, that you're selling to retailers, if you're selling to customers direct, it's the most important thing because you're getting instant feedback. I mean, everyone in this room has their opinions on different things, and, um, and, and some is wanted, some isn't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But no, it's actually great to have because we want all those levels. I mean, obviously this image, not everybody's going to wear this beaded metallic coat, uh, you know, in your, you go into the grocery store. But that's okay because we still want that idea of fantasy and dreamlike pieces. Um, obviously these pieces, come, we sell them up to size 26, which is great. And if you want a beaded coat in a size 26, you can get it. But it doesn't need to be, I'm trying to make it not so much of a topic. So people, it just is what it is. And that's like the goal. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I can't wait until our diverse runways are normal and it's no yeah. longer a press topic It's at so all. nice. It's just like, throw the girls in. Who cares? I think they're great. I think it takes time for people to visually look at something and be like, oh, that's, you know, it becomes a normalcy, which whatever is normal in this industry is hard to figure out. But that's what we're trying to do. And so my last question, and this is a nice segue, actually, uh, talking about your runways. Um, one key element I've observed in both of your shows um, is the sense of, like, theatricality, um, how drama and self-expression is encouraged on the runway. Um, it's the inclusive and supportive nature of both of your labels that attracts such a wide-ranged and uh, loyal following. Um, so for anyone who follows these two on social media, um, you're able to see kind of the tribe you've built of models, actresses, muses, collaborators who are all involved in kind of cultivating and embodying what your labels are about. Um, are there any names that come to mind or people who you work with frequently who just really you feel kind of carry the spirit of your work? I would say honestly what you see on the runway I think it's really important to have inclusive runways but it's equally as important to have inclusive design studios and I think we just worked on a really exciting collaboration with Black Panther, but for this project, we wanted to specifically highlight the, our, one of our black designers, Tulu Aremu, and I think it's really important to have all these voices and communities represented in, in the channel which we are creating this work. And so through, with Tulu's Nigerian heritage, she was able to draw on her family and Chromat's history of architecture and the technology in Black Panther to create a really unique garment. And I think that speaks to um, our goal of empowerment, not only on the runway, but in the design studio as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think, I mean, your team is, is a very important place. Um, obviously, if your team isn't on board with what your dream and your vision is, then, um, then it never, never is going to happen. Um, and that's a very important thing, I think, for a lot of other designers to, to, to remember is that, um, you know, because I, I think about that a lot. When, I, when I'm working, I'm like, oh, I can't imagine if the girls in my office couldn't find something to wear in our archives. If, if there was at a party or something. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine my mom or my sister coming into the office and being like, oh, there's nothing for me to borrow. Like, I always think that that's a very important thing to think about. Um, you know, my mom is a size 16 and my sister is a size two, you know, and, and very small. But neither of them, neither of those things are bad things. It's okay to have this diverse group of women. Um, you know, it just, and I think that that's a very important thing to remember too, is that we're here to celebrate all walks of life. That's yes. the goal. Um, 
So it's not about not celebrating one or the other. And that's very important too. Um, yeah, like what, uh, was it Tim Gunn talking about the stigma of plus size? I'm really excited for that to be just another size and no, no kind of emotional attachment, positive or negative towards it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also, you know, I think the, you know, the industry is a little bit separated um, with, and I think that, that the whole idea of plus size or the whole idea of curve or, or whatever it is for branding was, was to navigate the clothing in retail. That was what it was for. So you could go to Iraq and, and understand where you are. But it would be nice if you could go to Iraq and they are all these different sizes and there isn't a segregated area. I do think that's very important. Um, Hopefully that's where retail is heading, to be honest. Yeah, I was just on is. the panel yesterday at the CFDA and just anyone who um, wants to lobby for this, I think there should be universal sizing standards so that everyone can can have, a, they know based on their measurements what size they are everywhere. I think the way CFDA has organized Fashion Week into a organized procession, yeah. that could be a really cool project for the CFDA to take on. Yeah, I mean, my only thing, the only thing about the universal sizing is it will be a challenge, not because necessarily because of um, the wanting and the needing. It's it's really because of the range of brands and fabrications that are used. A beaded, uh, you know, mesh dress is going to fit totally different than a tailored, um, you know, silk wool suit. So that is the challenge there, I think. Um, just for someone uh, in our world where we do everything from suiting to cocktail to evening gowns. They all do fit differently, not just because of this idea of size. So that is something to yeah. think about that I want people to understand. Because um, they're uh, making clothes, people think clothes just appear on the rack, and they don't. There's so much process that goes into them. Something that has a corset that's going to fit totally different than a sweater that's off the shoulder in merino wool. So all those elements are very important to think about that um, I hope more brands understand, um, just because that's our world, and, and, we, and we understand it. Uh, I'm surprised that more don't. But it is a very important thing to think about, which almost looks like the retailers are now understanding as well that all these things are fit different there so maybe we do need different sizes yeah. because that corseted dress so we need double the size range so all, all those elements i think are very important to think about just when we're chatting just together <laughs> thank you do do we have no we so unfortunately we don't have time for questions um we don't have time for we, any questions we, shouldn't we do like one, two tanya says one one we can get each. one just because so they'll be mad. Make it count. One question. Yeah. So we have to move on to the next panel. Hi. Hi. My name is Don Glover. I have to thank Tim Gunn for giving my first uh, mannequin at Parsons 18 years ago. So I wanted to do that. I'm at Calvin Klein designing underwear. But what I now know is that you have to take time for yourself to kind of be able to take care of other people. And I wanted to ask you guys, what is your, um, now that you've had a lot of time, to work in the industry and to realize the pace is kind of relentless. What do you do to kind of plug out for yourself so that you have the energy, the mental wherewithal to keep fighting another day? What's your self-care routine consist of? My community is such a place of rejuvenation for me. I'm so lucky to be living in New York, surrounded by artists and musicians and creatives. And I love just partaking in their work and going to their art shows and going to their concerts and just um, being inspired in all different facets. That for me is very rejuvenating. Yeah, I think it's like being just interested in different 
things is the is like is the only way I can escape my world just because the business is every single day all day long um you know it's 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 always so it is fashion is crazy like yeah yeah I mean it's an always thing so you know because you're never not thinking you're not developing you're never not um working on something so I think yeah the way to you know that escapism is about being interested in all these other cultures and and all these other different things um which is the most that's how I escape I think is just being curious still it's it's you have to be Thank you, you very much. No. Thank you. That was Thank it. One. Okay. Thank you.